Welcome back to the Rectify Setting the Record Straight. I am your host, Kiana Sanchez, aka Keo, and I'm back with you with episode 29. The title of this episode is called Societal Pressures and Godly Standards. I want to talk about this because as believers in Christ, too many times we allow worldly information or worldly understanding to try we we allow that to try and compromise our godly standards and one thing about it is what the world doesn't understand about god they simply won't understand unless god himself reveal, reveals it to them and he draws them in and we shouldn't try to force them to understand nor should we change our standards and values because of the world so we should make it our business to stand on godly standards, regardless of what society deems okay and moral and right nowadays. Because remember, it is not man who made man, but it is God who made man. And the things he's given us is to protect us, to keep us, and not to harm us. So let's get into today's episode. So as many of you may know, I am talking about the things of God because we as believers, we have to keep each other encouraged in our most holiest of faith. And one thing I've noticed in today's society, and I won't say to today in today's society and today's church specifically, is that many believers are trying to slowly inhabit the things of worldly behaviors into the church and trying to normalize it in the church and basically being conformed to the ways and patterns of the of the world still while not completely surrendering themselves to God. And that's a big issue for the church today because uh I'm not going to say music entirely as an example. There are some artists who prefer, you know, profess to be Christian artists who release music that sounds entirely like the world and nothing in, you know, regards to glorifying you know, God or encouraging the believer to live a life for God. But in this perspective, it comes down to really not only the things we listen to, the things we watch, the people we entertain and things of that nature. We all know the scripture in first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, where it tells us that, you know, bad communications corrupt good behavior, which is very much indeed true. But we have to understand that is not just merely talking about us, you know, commuting ourselves with those who are unbelievers. It's not just talking about merely, un, you know, our fellowship with believers, but it's talking about our fellowship also with believers who themselves are still living in a manner that is unpleasing to God and doing things that they know they shouldn't. And they're still trying to inhabit that those, you know, those bad habits. They're still trying to hold on to those things. And they're not dealing with it. And I know there's a scripture in the Bible. I actually have to go find that where Paul was basically talking to the believers. And he tells them that if you confront a brother or sister in Christ about a matter that they're doing, that is obviously, you know, sinful and you confront them about it and they continue to do it. Even after you've confronted him, he said, then you gather you know, other brothers and sisters in Christ who you can trust to come together with you and not obviously gossip about the person, but to talk and try to, you know, convince this person of their doings to stop doing it and do what's right. And he says, if that person continues to do those things, even after you've confronted them with a group, he said, cast them off so that they'll be in their shame. And when he said, cast them off so that they'll be in their shame, he's saying, you know, just separate yourself from them and allow them to see that for themselves. And if they don't see that in that time, 
maybe they weren't part of the, you know, the believers to begin with. Because remember, if you read in First John where it talks about, you know, many antichrists have gone out into the world and they have come from amongst us. He's talking about the believers. He's saying they've came from amongst us. And these are people who have once probably professed to be believers and followers of Christ, but they never truly followed after the way of God, because if they had so, they would have not turned away from it. That's why when the Bible talks about the falling away, he's talking about those who are believers, who profess to be believers in Christ, and they have tasted and seen the goodness of God, but yet they still choose to turn away to idle things. They choose to turn away to the ways and patterns of the world. So... I just wanted to make that very clear. But one thing about the church is they allow societal pressures to basically make them compromise their walk with God. And what I mean by that, because as someone who's experienced it myself, we become friends with certain people, of course. And, you know, there's nothing like understand this when the Bible talks about fellowship, you know, not having fellowship with those who are in darkness I'll explain that in a little bit after I explain uh, what I'm about to mention so that no one is confused on what I'm about to say. But I have made friends with people who aren't inside the church. They're very kind people and things like that, yet they still have very much influences on me to do things that wasn't right. And I simply, you know, found myself having to separate myself from them because they had no intentions on following through and submitting to God or at least with me as their friend, they had no intentions on doing it, no matter how much I would try to talk to them about the things of God. We have to understand it's not us who can convince the person, but it's the Holy Spirit. And however the Holy Spirit wills to do in their life, he will do so. Because remember, Jesus said it himself, no one comes to the Father except lest the Father draws him near. So we ourselves, we can be a vessel used by God to draw a person into God. But we ourselves aren't the ones who can make that change. We can talk to them. We can encourage them and plant seeds and things of that nature of the things of God. But we ourselves are not the one who does the changing and turning of a heart in a person. It is the Holy Spirit. Now, speaking from my own personal experience, I've had friends that I've grown up with and that I love dearly. And I would always want to be around them. But then as I found myself growing closer to Christ, the things that I used to do with them, I no longer wanted to do. And I could see how that slowly started to, you know, drift us apart. And just as the word of God tells us that once you start following him, you know, you'll find yourself no longer in fellowship with certain people. And it's not to say that these people are bad. It's just simply Like he says, you know, sometimes you have to separate yourself in order to strengthen yourself so that you can go back and strengthen your brethren. And that's kind of where I have been in the last season. Like I've seriously been in a position where God has separated me from the people I've grown up with because they were all I knew. I hadn't had like I wouldn't say I didn't have godly friends. I did have friends who talked about the things of God with me, but I didn't have, you know, that consistency as much as I had with my friends that I've grown up with. And because of that, I found myself still adapting to old habits that I used to have. And I didn't like that. Like, for example, like when I got around them, I couldn't help but curse because, yeah, that that was something, you know, that I did around them 
or I couldn't help but uh, basically talk about people and things like that. And like I've mentioned before, we shouldn't be gossiping. We already know that's a sin and that's something a lot of people in the church overlook because they think that in this mentality, they have this high mindedness about themselves and they feel as though they're entitled to talk about people. But that doesn't exclude the fact that God says that gossiping is a sin. So when you're doing something intentfully to destroy the character of another person, you're gossiping. If you're talking about something that's obviously of embarrassment or shame and guilt for a person, another person, that's gossiping. And when I did those things with these, you know, friends or people I called my friends, I knew it was wrong, but I did it anyways because of that pressure that came from behind feeling like I didn't want to be too different from them. And, you know, whenever I was in that place where I was after God and I was hungry and I was trying to do everything right, I noticed that they pushed themselves away from me and I didn't want that. So I would try to withhold the person that God was making me for the sake of them. And that's something that a lot of believers do. We basically cut back on our standards and we cut back on our, you know, our our projection of who Christ is on others because we don't want to seem like quote unquote too much. We want to seem like, oh, I'm still down to do this and that. And we don't want to be counted out. And that's the thing. A lot of people have FOMO. They have a fear of missing out. They have, you know, this fear of being the the bystander or you know amongst the crowd that they used to run with that they used to be so fluent in and once God has separated you from a place that you once were you find yourself in this position where you're like well I don't want to be alone and I can't seem to find people who you know are believers who are trying to stand on the same you know set of standards that God has given me and now I feel as though I have to go back to what I was familiar with and that's one thing that can cause a person to stumble and continue in a way of idleness or to continue in a way that is not pleasing to God because they want that familiar uh they want that familiar feeling that they once had with the group of people or the things that they could connect with before and once you've came to that place like like the word of God said, once you've come to the knowledge of the truth and you've tasted and seen how good that God is and you see and know that his word is very much indeed true and the things, the standards that he hold us to as believers is something that we can't hold ourselves to by ourselves and we have to submit ourselves fully to him. Once we see that, it's hard for us to want to stand in that when we feel like we're doing it alone. But let me encourage you on today that regardless of what the world may say or think about you know that for a fact that God is the one who works and wills in you to do his good pleasure he is the one who will give you the strength he is the one who is your strength in the time of need and you shouldn't immediately you know draw back in shame and things like that because just like it says when Christ come those who are truly with him won't draw back and shrink back in and in, in, in shame. They, they'll be excited and they'll stand in boldness because they know I stuck to the standard and I lived the way that he wanted me to live and I reflect him. And one thing I wanted to point out is in James chapter one. I know I've mentioned this before in my podcast and I'm, I'm always going to mention, uh, familiar scriptures because 
I want to bring things to light that people will be able to relate to and, you know, that people can also understand and not just, you know, neglect it just because, oh, I know that scripture. No, it's good to always reread things that you've already read because that's how you get the word of God to to grow in you. That's how you water that seed. The more that you read this word and meditate on it and you pray about it and you know, ask God to help you understand it, he will begin to make it very much plain to you. And you'll begin to see scripture basically become a part of your life. But in James chapter one, it says here uh, in verses 12 on down to 18, it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So before I continue reading, I want to po- make this very clear. I, I, I grew up with a saying where people would say things like, you know, when they're going through a troubling time or when they're faced with temptations and things that may have caused them to stumble and things like that. They say, you know, God is testing me right now. God isn't testing you (laughs) in that because it says here that God tempts no one. And when you're faced with temptation, it like it's basically you're being tested. And I know there's another scripture. I believe it's in uh, Psalms 37, if I'm not mistaken. It says that when you're you're tested or when you're faced with temptations, don't be uh, simply so quick to fall into that sin that you're tempted with, but run in the opposite direction. I'm basically paraphrasing it. But um, when he tells us that God is not tempted, that God cannot be tempted and that he tempts no one, we have to make it very, like we have to be very clear of the fact that God is not testing us with evil thoughts and trying to get us to sin or anything like that. God would never do that or put us in a position to where we could have the option to to leave him. God would never do that to us. And I understand some people pull things from the Old Testament and be like, well, what about, you know, this and that? I said, no, this was a choice that a person made when he was faced with evil, when he came to a place where he had a choice between making a decision of good or evil that person either made the choice to to depend on God and allow God to bring them out because like it says in um uh like it says in another scripture it says when you're tempted God will give you a way out he'll give you a way of escape and that he won't allow us to be tempted beyond measure but that he'll give us a way of escape so that we wouldn't fall into sin so understand temptation itself is not a sin but temptation is literally a a pathway to sin and if you stay on that path of temptation instead of getting off of it and redirecting yourself you'll find yourself falling into sin but continuing in the scripture it says but each person is tempted when he is lured lured and enticed by his own desires understand when you're faced with conflict of sinful desires trying to come about it says you are enticed and lured to to be in those uh, positions because of the things you desire. And just because that nature is in you, just like Paul mentioned in Romans, where he says you're free from indwelling sin, 
Just because these desires are in you doesn't mean you have to respond to it. In other words, respond to a greater desire, which is the desire to do the will of God. And the Holy Spirit, he unctions in us all the time to do the right thing. And when we have that opportunity to do do the right thing, we should take it. We shouldn't, you know, battle between doing right or wrong. We should do what is right, regardless of how we may feel in that moment. Because, listen, we are not our feelings. We are not our emotions. We shouldn't live according to them. We should live according to the leading of the spirit. And then it goes on and it says, then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change of his own Will he be, um, will he brought up, I mean, out of his own will, he brought us forth by the the word of truth that we should be a first kind of fruits of his creatures. So understand when Christ came on the scene and things like that, and he died on the cross for our sins and he redeemed us and restored us to God, to whomever believes in what he's done. We have been made a new creation through him, especially when we are born again, but Continuing on down, it says, know this, my beloved brother, my beloved brothers. He said, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For you, I mean, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, I mean, yeah, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is a pure and undefiled. Religion is pure and undefiled before God. The father is this to visit. Uh, well, religion that is pure and undefiled before the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So. If you read the entire book of James, I can honestly say it has many good things inside of it that can help you in your your walk of faith that encourages you to stay away from, you know, ill speaking. Because we know scripture says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And then in chapter three of James, it talks about, you know, our uh, taming the tongue and not being so quick to speak evil things. And just like it says in verse eight of chapter three, it says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our um, we bless our Lord and father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and curses. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree uh my brothers bear olives or grapevines produce figs neither can a salt pond yield fresh water in other words 
you're either one or the other. You're either ill speaking or you're you're life speaking. And Jesus encourages us to speak life. He says, you'll be judged by every idle word that you speak. So as believers, just because the world tells you that it's okay to curse and that cursing is not a curse word, well, where does the Bible tell you that it's okay? We all know that the Bible tells us in many different scriptures that we shouldn't speak in profane manners or we shouldn't joke about uh, profane or inappropriate things. So why do people feel as though they need to take a, a standard check from the world? That's why I, I, I made this podcast, because for one, we are to reflect this word of God. We are to look the part and be the part. And the reason why the world is so easy in influencing us is because we allow the world to redirect us and we allow the world to make us ashamed of Christ rather than being, you know, uh, the best way I can put it is being proud in the things that he's given us because Christ is without spot and, ble- and blemish. And if he wants us to be like him and if he's made us a new creation in him, why do we still live as the old man? Why do we still take orders or take advice from the old man? As individuals, I see many people nowadays living more like the world. And there's even believers who are basically cohabitating with their partners and they're not even married. And there's believers who are making excuses for themselves saying, well, we're going to get married anyway, so we're just trying to live together now. And I'm like, don't do this to yourself. Don't make yourself an example of what can go wrong if you do things the wrong way. No matter how much people, you know, try to convince themselves that, you know, even if they do things the wrong way and it still turns out quote unquote good, that doesn't necessarily make it right. Because if you read in Psalms 37, where it talks about not to fret evildoers or look at the way that they prosper and and be envious of it. In other words, just because you see people in the world doing certain things and it seems like it's going well for them, don't take, you know, don't take that to heart and feel as though God is treating them better than he's treating you. Obviously, the things God has for us is of good and not of evil. He's made that very clear. He said, the plans I have for you are of good and not of evil to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope for an expected end. So we shouldn't look at the people around us and, you know, feel bad for ourselves because things aren't going the way that we think it should. Understand when God does things for your life, it may not look the way that you want it. But when he brings it to completion, when he makes it perfect, then you will be grateful that you even went through that process and that it even happened or occurred the way that he intended it to, because that would have been better than your own plans. So just because the world plans its own way and they do their own things, it doesn't mean it's good or that it's blessed by God. They might have something well off for a moment, but eventually in due time, all things that does not work in God's will, it will crumble. So, and that's not to say that those people don't deserve happiness, but it's better to be in the will of God than to think you know more than God and to basically disregard the way and will of God. Like there's many things such as marriage that is disregarded in the world and treated as if it's just a piece of paper and it's called just a piece of paper or, you know, merely a contract. And sadly, people 
they don't have high regards for marriage as they used to. They don't respect it as much. And people, even with sexual immorality, you see more people telling you or trying to convince you that, well, how will you know if you really want your partner unless you sleep with them and you get a feel of what it feels like to be with them and this and that? What if you don't like them once you're married? And see, this is what carnal-minded people think this is what carnal-minded people do but we are not to be carnal-minded if we have the spirit of god and we have the mind of christ in us we aren't to think as the world and to try and you know inhabit those same uh habits that the world have we shouldn't think like them or feel ashamed about doing things the way that we know god intended us to for example me and my husband me and my husband hadn't been together for even over two months before we got engaged and when people found out that I was engaged to him the very few people who knew how long we actually were together they were like mm, that's not you know I wouldn't do that like I need at least two plus years and this and that and I'm like well that's your choice I said but I know what the Lord showed me the Lord gave me discernment about it and if that was the case I could have done that with any person I've dated in the past but when I actually yielded my uh relationship life over to God God showed me that my husband was my husband and now we're pretty much almost two years into our marriage and we've been together now for almost three years so we've been together for two and a half and married for a year and a half and whether people believe that we'll make it or not that's not up for them to decide their naysays doesn't you know predict our future nor does their opinions of what they think they know because they're they're only on the outside looking in. And as far as anyone is concerned, I'm in a happy and healthy marriage. And this is a marriage that has been joined together by God and it can't be separated by any man. So <laughs> I want to encourage people not to let the, you know, the influences or the the ignorance of the world to try and make them feel ashamed about the things of God because there's godly standards that we are uphold to. God tells us, you know, to love one another as we love, you know, ourselves and to love him first and foremost. And he said, when we do these things, we complete all the other uh, things that are on the law that is in the law and that has been spoken by the prophets. And we as believers, we shouldn't allow the world to tell us, oh, it's okay to not forgive this person. Oh, it's okay not to, you know, like this person or love this person. Listen, there's not a heaven or a hell anybody can put you in. So to give them that much power and authority over you to determine how you ought to be is insanity in my personal, <laughs> in my personal opinion, because as a believer in Christ, when we know the truth and we came to the knowledge of the truth and we allow people to so easily influence us, we have to really ask ourselves, do we believe what we are reading? Because if you truly believe God's word for what it says, you wouldn't care what other people have to say in regards to it, whether people reject it or not. If the word of God tells us that homosexuality is a sin, you don't bend down to bow down to a person's feelings when they tell you like, oh, well, you should be accepting of this lifestyle because, you know, this is what they choose, and God loves them regardless. Yeah, God may love you, but that doesn't mean he tolerates your sin. And whether, you know, that person be of homosexuality or living in um, sexual sin or an adulterer or any of those things, 
my position is still to fulfill and do the will of God. I can still love you and treat you with respect, but don't expect me to change my mind for a split second just to to make you happy in that moment because if it takes me having to having to deny Christ in one small matter I don't want to do that because look at the controversy in today's world the societal pressure for people to believe this lie about the the LGBT community where they're talking about the transsex uh sexual uh behaviors and stuff like that and their identity and things like that that is insanity and if you as a believer if you are easily offended by someone speaking the truth about it if you are so easily drawn into people telling you well as a christian you're supposed to love me and do this listen loving someone as a believer in christ is not giving you know acceptance to something that is clearly against the nature of god if it takes me having to break my basically my allegiance to god to you know make you feel comfortable i won't do it you can hate me for it all you want but at the end of the day i don't support anything in that lifestyle when i say i don't support the lifestyle that does not mean i hate the person and that i wish the person ill or anything like that no i want that person to come to the knowledge of the truth and i pray that god will open their eyes open the eyes of their understanding but as a believer in Christ, we have to be careful not to be so easily afflicted by the world or convinced that we have to bow down to something that is so not true. Look at the societal pressure where it comes to basically being in a relationship. As believers, I know there's some believers who can hold the standard that they have set before a relationship and stick to it and not care about the world where they say, we're not going to kiss until we're married. We're not going to sleep with each other until we're married. We keep, you know, ourselves in a respectable manner. We're not going to do things that can lead to, you know, kissing or touching and, and, and sex and stuff like that. And I respect those people highly because these are people who took the things of God seriously. And then there's people who allow societal pressure to come in and they're like, oh, you didn't sleep with that person. So you're still a virgin. You're this and that. Why does it matter to them? Ask yourself that. Why does it matter to them so much to make you be blemished and stained with, you know, immorality just as they have been? If I, I remember before I got married, when I was still a virgin, people felt some type of way about that. And they were like, oh, you're a virgin. I don't believe you. Like, how can you still be a virgin that long? You had to have done something. And it's crazy. Like, people want you to do things that are not pleasing to God so desperately especially people in the world but why are we looking so much to have you know any type of acceptance from them when they don't even accept you the same way they want you to accept them you know you can't accept the things that they do because of what they're doing you know it goes against God and that's where it brings me back to where it says have no fellowship with darkness if someone who is clearly not looking for a a place to be in God and they just clearly want to do whatever their their heart wills them to do that is someone you don't want to connect yourself to that is someone you don't want to be so easily influenced by because that is someone who is of a carnal mind and sadly there are many people who have a reprobate mind who won't have a change or thought in mind to to turn to Christ at all because they have set themselves 
you know, stone in their heart. And we have to be very mindful of what we allow people to, you know, try to encourage us to do. As believers, we shouldn't back down or try to soften our beliefs for the sake of not hurting their feelings. They don't care if they hurt your feelings. And I'm pretty sure anything that the Lord gives you to speak in wisdom is not going to hurt their feelings as much as you think it is. I'd rather speak what the Lord is leading me to speak, what the Holy Spirit is giving me to speak, than to allow a person make me feel as though I can't speak the truth in boldness. Because understand this, just like Stephen, when he spoke this truth to those, the Pharisees and scribes, these people stoned him to death. Yeah, they were upset by it, but at the end of the day, what he said was very much indeed true. So whether people agree or not, whether they kill you by about it verbally or they try to assault your character and all that, listen, what matters most is what God sees about you. Forgive them and move forward. Keep walking in truth and peace and in the knowledge of God. Because for one, we're not living for man, but we're living for God. We're not even living for ourselves. We're living unto him. And we as believers shouldn't be so easily uh, drawn away from God because of some, one person's opinion, because of their misconception of what the truth is and their misunderstanding of who God is. I know there's many people out there who think that God is this tyrant, that he's trying to manipulate and control people. And I know there's many people who are foolishly believing that there is no God. But just because they believe these things and I know the truth and I have taste and seen that the Lord is good... What part of them should make me feel as though I have to down or dwindle the things of God? They don't have a problem do living out loud the, the sins and things that they do openly. So why must I dwindle the spirit of God in me? There was a flame set in me since 2017. And I will continue to be a blaze, a, a light in the earth for people to receive the kingdom of God because the same way that the, the kingdom of darkness is open and like the word of God tells us, hell literally moves beneath people waiting to welcome them in. But we can snatch them out of the pits by, by being a vessel of honor for God, not being so easily swayed by everyone in doctrine, but being moved by the spirit of God to do his will, his good pleasure in the earth. And I guarantee the more that you stick to your guns, I'm going to say it that way, the more that you stick to the truth and the more that you stick to pleasing God rather than man, you will find yourself not even being faced by people who, who don't agree with your lifestyle and the way that you represent God. So as believers, don't allow society to tell you how to be a believer. Society can't tell you how to be a believer because they don't even believe themselves. Just as the word of God tells us about the world. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me go to that scripture. Actually, it's in Romans chapter 12. But just like the scripture tells us, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And don't be. Uh, here it is. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by the testing, but that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect so 
In other words, and understand that scripture is not telling you that God is testing you. It's saying when you're tested by the things in this world. When you're tested by the temptations and the things in this world that may try to lead you astray. He said you will be able to discern what is good and what is acceptable and perfect to God. So that way, when we are transformed in our way of thinking by aligning ourselves to the perfect law of God, his word, and we understand what his word says and what God desires of us. And when we start to live according to this word and when we are tried, when we are tested by the things in this world, we will find ourselves capable of standing against any trial and test that we're faced with because we will have the discernment to know what is the perfect and good and acceptable will of God. So don't be so easily turned aside because the world thinks differently. Listen, we ain't supposed to think like the world. He said the carnal mind is enmity against God. So if you have a mind of Christ, guess what? It's going to be against the carnal mind and the carnal mind is going to be against you. So we shouldn't allow the things of this world to make us reject God. Don't allow this world to literally push you into a place where you begin to reject God because that is a terrible place to be. There's many people who allow the pressures of this life. Like it says, um, I actually have to go find that scripture, but it says something along the lines about, you know, when we're faced with the pressures of this life, don't allow these pressures in the world to overwhelm you and make you feel as though you have to turn against God. So as believers, we must make it our, our our business to live boldly for Christ the same way that the sinner lives boldly for sin. Let's not let this world, you know, push us to, you know, to, to, to be timid people to where we're afraid to stand in the boldness of Christ. Now, I'm not telling you to go out here and smack people across the head with scripture because listen. No matter how much scripture you give a person, that is not what changes a person. As I mentioned before, it is the Lord who draws them near. But whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, do it. And he'll work from there. Don't add your two cents or anything. Just do what he he leads you to do and leave it there. Because in due time, he will make sure what was planted will have increased. The same way he says, well, the same way where Paul was like, you know, I water. Well, he said, I plant in Apollos water, but it is God who adds the increase. Only God is the one who can add increase to a person's life. He's the only one who can add that knowledge and understanding to them. He's the only one who can open the eyes of their understanding. So as believers, it's not our job to go around trying to change people. We simply have to share the good news with them. And the good news is this. That the kingdom of heaven is here and that people must repent. They must change their way of thinking and they must turn back to God. So in all that you do, with all your, you're getting, get wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of the truth. And set your hope completely and entirely in Christ, not on what people say. And don't change your mind based off of what the world tells you. Stick to what the word of God says, regardless of how people feel about it. If the word of God says something is a sin, it's a sin. If God says it's unnatural, it's unnatural. If God says it's an abomination, it's an abomination. If God says don't do that, then don't do it. He said obedience is better than the sacrifice. It's better to be obedient 
than it is to constantly have to, you know, cut something off. So let's live in obedience to God's word because that is what will purify our souls. That is what will make us whole. And that is what will make us stand in the will and way of God. This is the Rectify Sending the Record Straight. I am your host, Kiana Sanchez. And I pray that everything I've spoke about in this video, in this, uh, not video, in this recording will resonate within you and that you guys will go back to the word of God for yourselves, reflect over scripture, study to show yourself approved to God, examine yourself, examine your character, examine the motives of your heart and see where they line up. Because if it doesn't line up with God, get it to line up with God. Because when God sees that you truly are seeking him and pursuing him, trust me, he will meet you where you are. Don't listen to people. Listen, sometime it'll take a while before you get that that divine intervention from God. But keep pushing towards righteousness. Keep, like Paul said, fight the fight of um fight the good fight of faith. Continue to strive for righteousness. Pursue the things of God earnestly earnestly desire him earnestly desire the spiritual gifts of god and earnestly pursue the love of god don't allow anything in this world to hinder you from where you are and it's funny i mentioned that because i actually just turned to it but just as it says here in first corinthians chapter 9 he says do you know not that in all uh, that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable, a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So in everything you do, don't be disqualified from this race. Don't, you know, fall short of the things of God. Continue to pursue him. Scribe to get to the place of perfection in Christ. Pursue the crown. Don't allow yourself to be so easily infiltrated with sin. Because I, as a person, can save right now. It doesn't feel good to keep feeling like you have to start over. And you don't. Keep going after God and keep pursuing him daily, regardless of what the world tells you. Stick to the godly standards. Stick to him. He said the greatest, the two greatest commandments is to love the Lord thy God with your mind, soul, body, and your, your whole being, your heart, your strength, everything. And to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then you will fulfill the law. But you can't love people if you don't understand love. So pursue love, understand love, pursue the things of God, study the things of God and apply it to your life daily. You guys be blessed.